Welcome to Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. I'm your genuflexer, Roger. My brothers and sisters in Christ, join me every week as we work out these three perspectives in our everyday lives. That's what I call Christian genuflexing. for joining me i'm roger and today we have a special guest chad um, we're going to talk about a lot of good things we're going to hit it from the faith we're going to hit it from the reason part we're going to talk a little bit about his faith journey and then we're going to talk about some things from church history that surprised them some things from the reason side so let's get right into the show once again i can't thank you enough for joining me today chad why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself uh, well uh, i'm chad i am a uh, third generation cradle atheist who uh, was baptized two years ago um, and uh, it's been a, a tremendous journey. Thank you for having me, Roger. We uh, met on on Twitter. I, I've I've seen some of the stuff you mm-hmm. post, and uh, I enjoyed it and I liked it. Uh, so then I was like, hey, you know, this guy would be really good to come on the podcast because I, I like his ideas and his sayings and his posts and his tweets and all that stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I got in contact with you, and, and we made this happen. So uh, again, appreciate it. Um, I, I, I reverted. I'm a revert. In around when I was about 29 years old, I had a reversion. Uh, the first step was kind of like an intellectual. I, I had like something that happened to me uh, deeply, but I'm very analytical and I'm very uh, skeptical by nature. And so I was like, well, are there reasons for this faith that I have? Are there reasons? I just don't want to say, oh, this is coincidence. Oh, look at this. This good thing happened to me. I felt the presence <laughs> of God. Like to me, that wasn't enough. I'm an overthinker, uh, analytical. So I was like, I need to investigate. So I started looking into all the arguments for God's existence, and it just blew me away. So that's what kind of um, brought me back. And then after that, then I had the more spiritual side, the more pastoral side, the more spiritual, the more the saints, reading the saints and prayer, learning how to pray. I didn't, as Catholics, we weren't really taught. I didn't know anything about uh, Christian meditations. I didn't know anything about Lexio Divina, Visio Divina, the Rose. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know so many prayers, the litany of saints, the litany of humility. I mean, so many, the litany of trust, so, so rich, but I didn't know uh, from our, my Catholic faith growing up so that kind of blew my mind and then the other level of getting in a very slow journey again the, those five or six years or so very slow journey and then now more of the communal kind of being with other on fire catholics being with other people doing the community going helping the poor do that's what i'm in the journey with right now and still learning every day uh so i kind of wanted to get your journey chad if you would please uh gracious with that a little bit about your story uh and about your faith turn and and what got you to go on this path and continue uh to follow our lord no absolutely so uh the uh the whole process um it's sort of like when you uh when you meet somebody uh make a new friend and then uh you suggest hey why don't we play chess if you're that kind of geek um and i'm not the best at chess but i'm solidly mediocre, I'd say. Um, and so it's like when you're playing chess with somebody for the first time, you have no idea about them. And then you can tell immediately or almost immediately that you're uh, playing with somebody infinitely better than you. Um, and so in hindsight, it was a, uh, God was playing a game of chess with me to get me in. Um, and, uh, and in hindsight, it's like, okay, I could see that move there. I could see that we were, uh, so the board was set. We set up the board in a uh, now, 2011 or thereabouts. So I watched the TV series Brightheads Revisited, and then I read the book, 
Um, and it's like, so I don't understand half of the references that seem to be internal Catholic, but this is something beautiful. But Christianity is silly, of course, because I'm an atheist. So I'm going to ignore that part and just enjoy the aesthetic. Um, and so that's my first exposure to Catholicism. Um, and uh, and for several years, I was just in the, okay, so I have to understand that Catholicism is different from what one understands Christians to be like and to believe um, in mainstream culture. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. I was going purely off of uh, what you, uh, the depictions that you find in culture, which are not flattering. Nobody's going to be surprised to hear that uh, if you're if you grew up atheist, all that you know about Christians is that they're weird. They don't they don't use toothpaste. They uh, <laughs> they don't wear yeah. shoes. Um, uh, they, they think uh, that uh, dinosaurs are a conspiracy. The whole works. Yeah. Um, and so uh, at, at that point, I understood that Catholicism had a different thing going on, but I wasn't curious. Um, it was like, okay, well, that's uh, that's a thing. It's different. Um, I'll respect that a little bit more, but still crazy. Um, and so flash forward a few years, I start meeting Christians. Um, I, so I grew up in Austin, Texas, which is uh, exactly, if you've heard of it, you you know exactly what it's like. If you don't think... Uh, Keep think it weird. Like Port- <laughs> yeah. Keep it I weird. Think, like, think uh, Portland, Minneapolis, Border, Colorado, places like that. It's on that list. Um, and, and so uh, I... Uh, worked on a conservative political campaign because I was the worst kind of person. I was an atheist who was still a conservative, which is as a combo. Conservatives are fine. Atheists are fine. But when you're a conservative atheist, there's something, something annoying going on. Um, but I meet a ton of Christians and I realize that uh, Christians, what uh, interdenominationally, um, it's none of them are quite what you'd expect them to be based off of media presentation. And so that's a, uh, a wall that falls down. And then uh, go forward a few more years, I start reading. Um, and my knock against Christianity, the reason why I wasn't even willing to give it a hearing, it's like, well, um, what about the Dark Ages? Um, we had these Dark Ages, and then uh, the arguments I'd hear about that is like, well, um, that wasn't really Christianity, which sounds uh, stupid and fake. Because if it's um, if you've got something where it's 90% Christian, um, then and it's horrible, then that seems like there's something wrong with Christianity. It sounded like people who say uh, Soviet Union wasn't real communism. It's like, nah. The, those, what is it? The, they call it the, the Scotsman fallacy, right? No good Scotsman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no true Scotsman. Um, and so, uh, and, and so having uh, the idea of well, when people are Christian, then you have a dark age, so that must be bad. Um, the Enlightenment must be good. Um, yada yada. Um, I think normal. So I was never on Reddit, but think Reddit to your thinking. Um, but. Uh, so then I started going into history. Um, a lot of the history nerds that, uh, that are listening to this will recognize what I'm saying when I say, uh, if you're a history nerd, you know a lot about ancient Rome, and then you know a lot about World War II, and that in-between period is <laughs> sort of a blank space. Yeah, um, that's, what I could find. that's very true. Yeah. Um, which, uh, which is fine, because those are genuinely interesting things. But when you start to look at the in-between period there, you start to fill in some of the contours. Um, you might know American Revolution, but it, uh, but if you're a, oh, history began in 1776, everything before that was a mistake, uh, which I was, um, and then you pick up caricatures, um, you pick up weird ideas, um, you pick up, frankly, propaganda from various people um, throughout history writing about this era. When you study the medieval period, you find that it was not a dark age. Um, you find that it was actually uh, resplendent and bright. There was no dark age. That just never happened. Um, but what, I, but what you find is that you have a functional society that had great achievements, um, that had achievements that are different from ours. 
Um, and you can definitely say, I don't want to go there in a time machine, the fair. But you had a functional society that was then destroyed by the Black Plague and then the Reformation. Um, and, but the area before that, it's, uh, it, it's not dark. You can say that it's different. You can say that it's foreign. One, uh, one, one thing that uh, uh, makes me kind of like angry now that I, I, when I, when I uh, if you guys know who Thomas Madden is, I believe he, he teaches at the University of St. Louis. He's done a lot of stuff, uh, midi, uh, medieval uh, scholastics, all that. And then there's this book called, uh, Thomas, Thomas Woods, uh, the Catholic church build Western civilization. Uh, there's a sociologist that his, he wrote a book called, uh, bearing, uh, bearing false witness. Uh, mm. uh, what's his name? Uh, not, uh I was Tony say, Stark, I believe. Yeah. I was going to say Tony Stark. I was like, there's my geek brain right there. Tony mm. Stark. Yeah. He had an arc mm. reactor in his chest and he powered his rope. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, mm. Rodney Stark. There you go. I was going to say Tony Stark. Yeah. Rodney Stark. And he's not Catholic. He, at first he wasn't even Christian. He was agnostic. And then he converted mm. to Christianity before, uh, this, he wrote the book before his conversion to Christianity, but I think it's called bearing mm. false, false witness. And then, uh, how the West won. Yeah, it's called another book called mm. How the West Won, and it talks about mm. that. And I didn't know. And so whenever I hear like a, a historian or somebody says who their historian or somebody who talks about history, and they're like, "Oh, the Dark Ages," I'm like, "Oh, I get like or that's a, like a mm. signal, like, uh oh, they might not know mm. because a lot of uh, historians would say it was far from being the Dark Ages. I mean, the, uh, so much of the inventions that came in, so much of the stuff. So whenever I, that's a little clue, whenever you hear the word Dark Ages, that's when I'm kind of like already with a grain of salt, whatever they're gonna say. So yeah, yeah, it's a uh, and I uh, didn't convert through uh, the the Thomas Woods or the Rodney Stark books. Um, they're good stuff. Um, I didn't agree with everything, but they're solid stuff. Um, I was uh, at a secular university and I had extra credits that uh, I could take that weren't required. And it's like okay, well uh, let's fill in this blank space. And so I'm in a secular class in a secular university, um, getting the straight story, which is not 100% flattering. Um, if this uh, class had been uh, perfectly flattering it would have been uh, to, to the church but that would have been a red flag it was no warts and all um, here's the bad things here's the good things and it's like well okay um yeah there, there are some bad things but um in context like there are people who believe that the uh, the windmill and the watermill were invented in the 1700s uh, after we got rid of christianity people were rational tm uh trademark sign copyright sign um <laughs> the enlightenment about that it's like no, no. Uh, we had uh, the technological advances of the Middle Ages. Yeah. Um, the pace is lower than it is today, um, but uh, uh, the Romans could not farm in northern France and in Germany. Um, they uh, did not have the technology um, to do that. And so, so the development of technology that created all of this, um, it's, uh, your, your civil structure was not, uh, Christians did not cause the fall of Rome. Um, you have all sorts of theories popping about People say Christians did it, gay people did it, uh, lead pipes did it. And it's like, well, uh, uh, none of these ha hold very much weight. Not many professional historians will take these seriously. They will take the lead pipes a little seriously. Um, but realizing that the, uh, the secularist propaganda um, is just not what the historians will say. It's like, okay, so the narrative that I had means that, uh, that I was buying propaganda from the internet um, and, and from the general culture. And every history nerd knows that when you watch a movie about a historical event, that it's going to be incredibly inaccurate. Wait, you're, are you right? saying are you saying that the History Channel and the internet uh, is <laughs> false? <laughs> How dare you, yes, sir? And Hollywood. How dare you, and sir? And Hollywood. How dare you? Um, so uh, when you put aside media presentations of what the history is, and then you go to the normal uh, academic drudge work uh, of okay, there's this, there's that, there's that. 
um, it turns out that the Middle Ages is not what people are led to believe. Um, and then that meant that I had to come up with other reasons to not be Christian, <laughs> which, um, which if you, if you take the church's claims, then you treat them fairly. Um, uh, I, I mean, the, uh, yeah, it, it's hard to do that. So one of the things that stuck with me as, as a problem is that if Christianity changes every century or two, um, if it said one thing this era, it says a different thing this era, and then it's going to say another thing in another era. Um, well, it doesn't sound to me like uh, the word made, was made flesh and then built a church um, if it's going to change its mind every, uh, every few generations. That doesn't seem plausible. Um, and so uh, John Henry Newman helped, uh, not because, so, so I was reading Newman before I uh, believed in God because it was like, okay, um, let's see, uh, apparently they didn't change their mind on anything. Read Newman, it's like, okay, so the Catholic Church has never changed its mind on doctrinal issues. Um, there are things that have changed, like priestly celibacy, but that's not doctrine. That's a discipline. Exactly. Um, yeah, and that is real quick on that point. Yeah, that that's a there's a lot of misconceptions. They're like, no Catholics priests could get married. They're like, um, actually, yeah, uh, Catholic. You're thinking of of the Latin rite, and there are many other just Catholic, mm. you know, Eastern Catholics or whatever mm. Catholics that are married, and also too that, mm. that that's a, that's a discipline. Yes, that's not actually mm. like a dogma, and and to me, yeah. that's a testament to the Holy Spirit. Right, because mm. for two thousand, two thousand years, mm. two thousand years, you would think something, mm. and that's a testament. And going to the history, there's that one. So you try to force mm. the the pope to do it, he wouldn't do it. She threw him in jail. They killed him, and then they put in their new pope. And then she tried mm. to force him to do the doctrine, and he's like, I can't. Like he's like, I can't actually do that. And like, wait a minute, you're my pope. Like I, I put you in. Mm -hmm. I killed the old pope. You know, and and it's like I put you in there, and he couldn't. Like for whatever reason, that mm -hmm. that's a testament. Like what you were saying is like, so okay, look, if things change, then that's all oh, easy argument. But that you look at the two thousand years, and you see it's not the case. Yeah, and it's also a uh, and so and uh, from, I have an economics background, and so organizations do have to change and that they're going to survive. And then I constantly see the church not changing, even when it would be really helpful for its survival to do so. And then it survive, uh, survives anyway. And then you see things like, uh, so, so uh, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on Holy Mother Church, uh, but it's not like they were just super confident and that's how this all worked out. Uh, th this was a, uh, no, the church is always being kind of on fire. I mean, the crisis today is bad, but it's not an unusual type of crisis for church history. Um, we've always had problems um, and we've gotten through them. And that's, that's a testimony. Um, we've not been run by the most competent people. If, uh, if the United States were to fall tomorrow and then the uh, CIA is still operating and they have supercomputers in a mountain that they're powering through uh, civil disorder, it's like, okay, understood. I, I understand how that works. But if the United States were to fall tomorrow and the DMV is still operating in 2000 years, it's like, uh, wait, what's going on here? This is crazy. Yeah, no, definitely. And it was uh, actually, it was, uh, the story was uh, Pope Vigilus. Pope Vig Vigilus, he was like in, in the sixth, uh, the sixth century. So that's a crazy story about that. Like they're trying to, to, to put, to establish certain doctrines and stuff like that. And, and, and the other, the other Pope under the Goths, like they try to kill him and force the other one, other one to, to put these doctrines in. And like, just, I, well, I mean, me, I call it the Holy Spirit. It's like, just stopped it from from happening so I, I think it's the holy spirit working through the church you know like that happened yeah. like in the sixth century uh, it's a uh, the consistency it's a not uh, if you change your tune every 20 years then whatever you're saying is not infallible truth permanent um, and the truth has to be permanent 
Um, something can't be true one day and then false the next. Um, just not how it can work on a basic metaphysics level that you don't even have to be Catholic to accept that. Um, but uh, the fact that they are consistent, that they sang the same tune the entire 2000 years. Um, now you find the Protestant sects uh, change tunes on various things. Um, uh, let, let's dunk on the Episcopalians particularly. Um, it's like, I can't understand why somebody would be an Episcopalian. Um, because if truth changes, if truth is malleable, then, uh, then you have no certainty in anything. Um, you can be an atheist and believe that you found something uh, that will never change. Um, and you can be a Catholic and you can say that you found something that will never change. But all the other ideas, I don't see a middle ground that is coherent. Yeah, man, that, which, that's definitely true. It's And, and again, look in your... To read his church histories to cease being Protestant. Oh, so that was uh, that was Newman, in fact. So uh, yes. So, so uh, Newman said that, and he also talked about there's not really a middle ground between Catholicism and atheism. Mm. All any other thing that you have um, just falls apart um, because either the truth is unchanging um, or it's not the truth. You're, you're so so. You're just saying is that that kind of helped you push your faith is learning, taking those classes, doing the research. Mm figuring out wait a minute this is pretty strange that this is like what the oldest this is the oldest uh, establishment right currently like there's no other yeah. establishment yeah. other than the catholic church that is still standing you know yeah. so that to me that i mean from a purely historical and i would even say scientific because you know uh, um archaeology or our, our history is a kind of a science mm -hmm. definitely mm -hmm. so uh because people are like i want evidence i want evidence well this two thousand year old i mean miracle mm. miracle like surprisingly mm. miracle this church is still established and after 2000 years how many goths and and and, and the napoleon and the uh you know communism mm. and vikings. It, it, the, yes, the vikings, vikings get off and, life, but, mm -hmm. yeah the vikings were were bad guys uh I, I don't like the recent rehabilitation the vikings weren't so bad it's like no 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 vikings bad <laughs> did you um, see what's I mean, the one that they used to do where they used to take your lungs out like behind your back or something and, and like while you're still like breathing and your lung mm. and your lungs would like be exposed. That was like mm. brutal, man. Like that's crazy. Yes. Um, and uh, one of the, uh, one of the points that people make for a dark age is, well, why don't we have manuscripts? And it's like, well, because every monastery that uh, all but four monasteries in the entirety of Europe, um, this is a place thick with monasteries. So you've got thousands of monasteries getting burned down um, on basically think a 50 year cycle. So every 50 years you burn it down, um, and you start with the library because it's got the most paper, so it makes the biggest fire. Um, and so it's like, why didn't we have, well, it was dark that because nobody wrote anything. It's like, no, we wrote, it just got burned by the Vikings. Um, and uh, so it's a, not even a, a particularly illiterate period. Um, they wrote less than we do today, but they didn't have Twitter. So in uh, what we write today as tweets is not quite comparable to writing out by hand copies of manuscripts. Definitely. And and see, I, I, another point that I wanted to make real quick is also people realize about what you're saying about books and manuscripts is like, man, they are very expensive to produce. Very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that I told uh, in this one debate that I had. Uh, uh, I, I mentioned about like what, Sola Scriptura or, or like, oh, the Bible, uh, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, well, if, if Jesus wanted uh the means, you know, like, how do you follow Christ? Is it a church or is it just a Bible that wasn't like fully contended? The canon wasn't around uh, during Jesus' day and his apostles after he died. There wasn't the full canon as we have now. Uh, I, would, I would ask, well, how do we get that canon? Also, I would say it's like you know, the printing press wasn't invented until late, way later, right? Like in the, the, what, the 15th or 16th century. And like, 
the if Jesus wanted us to just have the Bible and the Bible alone, uh, you would you would think right that at least uh, mm. he would have waited. Uh, you know, 1,500 years later or so uh, mm. to have that. Uh, and the church didn't have just Bibles ready. Those were expensive. They didn't just have them like, oh, we could just hand out the Bibles and everybody that, and again, uh, 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 the literacy rate isn't what it is now. And it's like, oh, the second mm. century, everybody just have their Bible, third century, everybody. So yeah, uh, mm. what you're talking about, like, and, and it was very hard to copy the manuscripts. And again, another mm. a testament to the Bible of how accurate, I forgot what the numbers are, but uh, some real like statistical research were saying that the all the again these manuscripts from different parts of the world back then thousands of years ago from different parts of the mm. world they're like literally ninety something percent accurate and the things that are changed are literally minuscule they're minuscule nothing changes the actual mm. ideas to me that's another testament because so mm. uh, so h- how hard it is and expensive to copy manuscripts mm. it's a uh... Yeah, th- this entire process um, was, uh, yeah, this is incredibly laborious. Um, and so when people say, oh, um, illiterate, it's like, well, um, people will say, well, Roman society was more illiterate than medieval society. And it's like, not, not really. Um, in, in Rome, it was uh, even more, uh, or just as difficult, you, uh, you could say, to uh, produce books. Um, but in Rome, you had the slaves write them, and uh, whereas in the medieval ages, you had monks writing them. So, so one, uh, you can chew on that a bit. Um, no, it's a fun thought. Um, and, and two, most Romans could only read the graffiti on the walls. Getting to knowing enough reading so that you can read graffiti uh, is, is not that literate. Um, and so medieval, medieval ages had uh, everyone could sort of read the graffiti um, in the same way, but it's not particularly different. Um, the, uh, uh, so the very rich in Rome uh, stopped existing um, when, when the empire fell. But that's the main difference. And so you might not have the odd millionaire who can just uh, give a ton of money to a poet to write a poem. Um, instead of having a centralized empire, you have diffuse kings, um, each of whom is poor because you only have, let's say, a quarter of France as your domain, um, rather than the emperor having all of the empire. That's really the only difference. Um, I mean, Sanders' life went up through this period for most people. Um, agricultural output is skyrocketed. Um, but through technological advance and uh, better techniques and bringing new land under cultivation. Um, and this was led by the monasteries. Um, it was uh, the monks want to go be away from civilization. So they go out into the woods, they clear land and they start growing crops. Um, and then all of a sudden people move in and build a town because it's a nice area. And it's like, ah, I got to move back. <laughs> the yeah. monks are like, oh, now we've got people. Um, yeah. Now we have to start a new monastery even farther out in the wilderness. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, <laughs> uh, so, so on a geekdom point, um, because we can't leave out the geekdom, um, I, I'm fully convinced that the best way to colonize space would be to have more vocations, and then you have a Benedictine monastery on Mars, oh. uh, and, and then that's just how we do this. You know what? I I want it because I've been try, I'm trying to like I'm ugh, I'm horrible procrastinator, so horrible. Mm. I, I started writing like I just got like a few pages of of like a a story like a, a like a, almost like a other than that one, I wanted to write a, a science fiction story, and there are stories similar to that, like where pre, like a priesthood in space. You know what I mean? Like a, going to Mars. And so, I mean, I'm not the first one to think about that, but I, I like interesting that you said that because I always thought about that would be so interesting. I wanted I want to see that. I want to see like a clergy or a priesthood or something established, a monastery established in in, in a story about science fiction. So I, I'm glad that you brought that up. Mm. Mm. 
I mean, I mean, it fits the historical pattern so well. Um, and uh, so, so we'll, uh, we'll do a little Laudato Si as well. Um, so uh, people talk about the, the environment under capitalism and there are various things that one can say, um, but, and everyone's got their opinions and they've got things that they can read besides me talking about it. But uh, the interesting thing is that the monasteries in Germany before the Reformation um, had land control. They had uh, land management, fisheries management, uh, woods management, husbandry, um, and the most sustainable way that I've encountered before. Um, and so what they do is that, so the church owns the forest. And so they take down, uh, we want this to last forever. Um, and so this is how much wood that you can get out of it every year. And then you have to replant here and here. This is how we're going to get the forest. Um, we're going to cut down the, the low branches so that we can run cattle um, and, and pigs through the forest um, to sort of eat the, the eat the leaves, eat the livestock, eat the roots, um, eat the acorns. Um, and then so you have this sustainable thing. You have the fisheries where you have certain quotas, what you can get out of it. You have everything managed in a way um, you have a crop rotation. Um, you have everything managed sustainably by the monastery because the monastery understands itself to live forever. Um, and there's no reason to be too profitable. And so you have sustainable development uh, before the Reformation. And the Reformation comes along and then they're like, no, no, we're going to do all of it now. So you get overfishing, you get overgrazing, you get deforestation. Um, and, and so a lot of these problems didn't exist beforehand. Um, they came with uh, the dissolution of the monasteries. You lost a huge cultural force um, for good because they had the longest term perspective. They aren't a multinational corporation. I mean, technically they're a multinational corporation of the time, but they were sustainable. They weren't uh, beholden to shareholders. They were beholden to God and to, and to their successors. And so we have this different model that existed uh, in, thro in Throve, um, basically until greedy monarchs decided that Luther had a point. So let's seize all the gold and all the land <laughs> and all the property. That's crazy how uh, learning about that is how uh, the cat, the, 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 when, when coming to all that, when the monastery is taking over and stuff, uh, they, they looked, I think, I think it's in the book Rodney Stark had wrote that, uh, the, the areas that were deeply sympathetic to the Protestants, uh, just so happened the monasteries like, well, yeah, yeah, the church doesn't have authority. Let's take it. And the other, when it was the other way around, it was the other way around. So it was very political, uh, very political. The monasteries getting greedy and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I definitely mm -hmm. see that. I do think we need more monasteries, more, more like that, more orders that, that would be, b b would be flourishing. Like, like what you're talking about monasteries. And, and also I tell my friend, um, my friend, brother, uh, brother, Brandon, uh, he's a Franciscan and I tell him, I was like, man, you know what? I love being married, my vocation. That's what God gave me, my vocation to my children and all that. But I was like in another life, oh man, I would love to be in like the monastery, uh, an order, mm -hmm. whether it be to me, it would either be like, I don't know, the Dominicans or the Jesuits, one of those, probably the Dominicans. Uh, but I do like the Franciscans too, but like there's so, but I was like, I would love to be like, imagine like, like not a James Bond, but like a, uh, um, like a like a I don't know like a smooth uh, smooth uh, cultured man driving around the world. I get, I get mm. like I'm probably describing this and some of the, the the brothers in the orders like oh it is not like that but like yeah. I imagine myself mm. going to Rome studying in mm. the, the the libraries of Rome and and then going to, to 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 the Middle East and just like studying all day and praying. That just like to me that was like oh my goodness having some good wine in Italy and studying theology and then the next minute I'm you know in in America and in in a the Rocky Mountains, and I'm praying and meditating, and I'm just jet flying. And, and some of the mm. brothers are like, "Oh, 
oh, good thing you didn't come into the order because it's not like that. But I have this mm-hmm. fantasy of that life. And, and that's I guess that's a self that's a broken uh, nature. Part of me is like, oh, man, it would be so awesome to be in an order and community mm-hmm. and pray mm-hmm. and just read all day. <laughs> like, you know, and again, mm-hmm. I know it's not like that. But uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. monasteries, man. I'm, yeah, I, I, I think we, oh, yeah. we could do that. Vocations. Because we're hurting for, for for vocations for the church, so oh, we yes. should anyone pray um, definitely pray for vocations. <laughs> so your faith journey yeah. uh, uh, kind of led you led you this way, and and how, what do you do now to keep that going? What do you do now to uh, sustain? So, so uh, I, uh, I I get uh, I frequent the sacraments, which is the first thing, um, and it sounds very basic, but it's sort of a um, you can't say it often enough. Um, and, and the next thing is that. Uh, when I pray, I'm usually opening up the Psalms and then I'm just uh, read the Psalm aloud, say a glory be, and then read another Psalm um, and do that as much as you like. Um, you can get through all the Psalms in a few hours a day. Uh, I'm not going to say that I've done that uh, at any point regularly. I think I had one time where I just read all the Psalms in a day um, and it was awesome. Um, and, and if you have the time, uh, I recommend anybody to do that once. Um, but it is a lot. But uh, my prayer life is mainly the Psalms and the Rosary. Um, yeah, because it's uh, what what you get in the Psalms, and you find something new every time you go through them. Um, you're finding a dialogue of the Father with the Son, with the, uh, of the Son with the Father. Um, you're you're finding an internal dot dialogue of the Trinity um, in most of the Psalms. Other ones are different things. Other ones are different laments. Um, David doing commentary on what his situation is, but that's not different from what Christ's situation was on the cross. Um, you have our Lord uh, citing the Psalms throughout the Gospels and on the cross. Um, oh God, oh God, why hast thou forsaken me? Um, it is the opening line to a Psalm. Um, and you can read that Psalm. And then you find uh, in the Psalm, it's sort of prophetic uh, about what's happening to Christ. It's like, oh, uh, in the Psalm, it ends up with, uh, they've dug my hands and my feet. Um, they, they can count all my bones, um, but I'm still going to trust in God. And so you find all of these references. And then after a while, you start, uh, um, the slightly cheesy way of putting it is after you've read the Psalms, um, they've gone through them enough, they get written on your heart. And I think that's something that, uh, that, that's been very fruitful for me, just constantly revisiting the Psalms, going through the Psalms, um, and getting them in a point where so if somebody quotes a Psalm, I can't tell you what number it is, but I'll recognize that they're referencing a Psalm. Um, so I'm not great yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it's great, a, man. That's that's the Psalms and and getting through and and putting yourself in that situation as well. Like you're saying, hey, I'm gonna carve mm-hmm. out this time. You gotta mm-hmm. make time for prayer. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a. Uh, uh, I I talk to people and nothing against them because we've all been here. Um, but it's a uh, oh, I'll pray sporadically when I find a few minutes, and that can work and that can happen. But it's going to happen a lot. It's not gonna happen every day. Um, it might happen uh, a few times a week and uh, praying every day. Uh, it doesn't have to be a ton. Um, it doesn't have to be uh, a dramatic thing. You don't have to go to adoration, um, but uh, a psalm a day. Uh, and some of these psalms are really short. Um, one of them takes, uh, one of them is, uh, uh, one in particular is not short. It's uh, 176 verses. Um, oh. <laughs> so uh, if you want to read, uh, so that one's actually really cool. Um, mm-hmm. because it's broken up into 28 sections or 22 sections. Um, and in Hebrew, each section has uh, eight lines that each start with the same letter. And so this psalm was something that David wrote to teach the alphabet to Solomon. And it's like, okay, cool. 
because um, that's a lot that's very catholic of you like if anyone wants to do any 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 catholic praying read that's a hundred and something song <laughs> that's that'd be mm. very catholic very um what, mm. what i do is wednesdays are my you know usually i, I try to make a point to go to adoration because you know like the classical like you know like wednesdays and fridays you know fasting mm. and so that's what i try to mm. do you know that's where i do the rosaries on the friday and then the, the wednesdays adoration mm. uh yeah so I, I i wanted to also you know speak a little bit about the point i know you talked about the history and stuff like that which i mean i I'm, i i love history too i'm very interested in history and all that but uh some i guess something else that we didn't talk about uh in our first half of the conversation is there anything else other than than that that we talked about that surprised you or that you're interested in about church history because like again not many people know that about the the uh pope vigilus not, 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 if you hear them, that, that story about the Empress uh, Theodora trying to uh, implement him to implement the Empress uh, Theodora's like heresies, and and he just couldn't. And finally, at the end, he just backed down, stood his ground, and said, "No, actually, I changed my mind." And to me, I was like, "Whoa, that's crazy! That's that's that's, that's the Holy Spirit working." So that surprised me, you know. But um, oh. is there anything uh, else? Oh, the the uh, the one that I meditate on the most, um, the thing that comes to mind is uh, Pope St. Gregory the Great. Um, the man who doesn't want to be Pope, he just wants to be a monk, and then the Pope's like, no, we need yeah. you. There is no yeah. one else. Um, you've got basically civilizational failures happening. Um, you uh, aren't getting that many uh, talented people educated. Um, and, and so it's like, well, you'd like to, uh, you have, uh, so uh, Pope Gregory is uh, originally, um, he's a rich kid who decides, no, being a rich kid's not for me. I'm just going to go to the monastery. Um, but he's so educated. Um, and he's so talented that uh, the Pope's like, oh, okay, um, I hope you've enjoyed the monastery for six months. Now I've got a job for you. Now I've got a job for you. <laughs> yeah. um, and so he keeps trying to go back, but uh, the world won't let him um, because we need his talents. Um, and then he's elected Pope um, during a plague. And uh, the Roman armies are dissolving after uh, briefly retaking, uh, after briefly uh, touching uh, Italy again. You've got basically social chaos. Um, and the only thing that can step in and provide order is the church. So uh, think after all of these natural disasters. So whether it's uh, anything that happens in Texas, uh, we have HEB there as the most functional thing still going. Hey, H-E-B, um, during the Texas. pandemic, HEB was like, we're like, all right, everybody stay home. Everybody do this. Everybody that. Uh, mm. and HEB was still open. It's like, mm. yeah, HEB definitely mm. stay open. So, I, yeah, I understand that reference. Yeah. Um, and we can look at uh, Walmart after Katrina um, back in 2005. Um, Walmart was doing more than FEMA was um, because you've got societal uh, collapse happening, but Walmart is powering through and kind of saving the day. Not that I'm a fan of Walmart, but that happened. Um, it, it objectively happened. And so what uh, the church did under uh, Pope St. Gregory was the church didn't want power. He didn't want to be Pope, um, but you had civilizational failure. And the only thing um, that could govern and that could provide these services, that could provide food, um, was the church. And so that's this is the origin of the papal states. The papal states happened because there was a void which no one else could fill. Um, and so the, there was no ambition. There was no uh, lust for power. Um, there's none of that. It's just we are what's left. We are the only ones who can do this. Um, and so we're thrust into this. Yep. That, that's, I mean, that's... 
isn't that like how the church operates? It's like whenever there's an, and, and I think I heard somebody say too, or talked about like whenever there's horrible things going on in the churches, like look how many saints they produced, you know? Mm. Uh, and mm. the, the church steps up to that because it feels, like you said, fills a void, you know, fills, it fills mm. that void. And, and St. Gregory the Great, I mean, great. I mean, this is a great saint. I mean, even, even was it John Calvin? Even, even John <laughs> Calvin like admired him and he was like, oh yeah. So it, it's, it's incredible that the church could even reach people that are like, you know, anti-Catholic and, and, and not really too fond of the church, but even they could, uh, see, they could even see like, okay, Hey, this is a, a great man. And you know, St. Gregory the great, it's like awesome. Like, I mean, <laughs> so much stuff, so much strife that happened during his time. You know what I mean? Like it, it, you're mm. dealing with all these different, different, different elements, different, even physical. Um, you know the plagues and all this stuff, and then to come out, and then of course, you know the Gregorian chants. It's like beautiful. Like, mm. yeah, I, w- I, w- I wish we hear that more in, in in churches and stuff like that. It's like, uh, like international law. Like, how, where did we get that from? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the Catholic yeah. Church, like, international uh, law. They And then mm. like they, people don't realize where we got all this stuff, you know? And then also in a it, broader sense. It's fun because we, even though, even in the 20th century, so you think, okay, so the Catholic Church in the 20th century, not that big a deal in the world, right? It's like, yeah. nope, nope, nope. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, architecture. Uh, both, yeah. Well, it's both the, the European Union and the United Nations were both, um, the Catholic Church supported both, and um, I mean, instrumental to both of them is a guy called Jacques Maritain, who is a, uh, he's a big deal. Uh, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't heard of him, um, Jacques Maritain, um, a very important Catholic thinker in the 20th century. You don't have to agree with everything that he says. People will argue. Uh, but this is still a guy who, as a layman, um, was offered being made a cardinal, a lay cardinal, the first one in 200 years. And even people who don't agree with him are like, yeah, kind of, he, he kind of deserved it, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and so he wrote a lot of the founding documents. Like the UN Charter on Human Rights is a document heavily influenced by the Catholic Church. We didn't yeah. write it, but, uh, but we wrote a huge portion of it. Um, we, we looked at both of these things and thought um, we need a Christian society. Um, now, the problem that we ran into was that we said, maybe we can give Christianity without calling it Christian. Maybe we can uh, not say anything at all and just give them Christian values and people will go with it. Um, and, and so that's why it hasn't worked. But it yeah, was that, a, that's see, that's what, and like the Nuremberg trials and all the, you know, the Nazis trials. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about this, like mm-hmm. if everything's relative, what I tell relativists, you know, a lot of it, not all of them are, but, but I, I mean, I, I, I kind of hard find it hard not if you can't because again if, if, if there's no god then there is literally no no truth no mm-hmm. everything's relative they say like you know like oh mm-hmm. um you know i could just do whatever i want and and if that's true or, or things can change well then slavery wasn't really wrong it was just you disagree with it and then what the nazis mm-hmm. did wasn't really wrong it was just you could just disagree mm-hmm. with it you know so mm-hmm. that's the most you can do is just disagree mm-hmm. with them you can't really point to something and again when we say rights oh american we have rights we have rights well, what is a right? You know, like what is what is a right, and where does it come from? Why do we, you know, people say, oh, there's rights to this, we have rights to that. Well, what is a right? And I think mm-hmm. a lot of uh, atheists might, uh, be- no, not might, they do benefit, either they like it or not, they benefit from a Christian culture because a lot of them are like, where do we get these, you know, like the the mm-hmm. argument for morality, and they're like, oh, we're just. Uh, we're just born with it or we just we're just uh-huh. uh, it's always right. I was like, well, where did you get that? Even if your parents, even if your grandparents weren't, quote unquote, Christians, 
they still benefited from a Christian society. The world has mm. benefited from the Christian society. And you just like take and the name that. away, like you said, and just say, oh, well, it's, 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 uh, it's obvious that we shouldn't do this. And it's obvious. Well, where did you get that? Even if you don't, and you don't have to, because a lot of people, and I'm not saying you have to, believe, atheists will make a straw man. They make the straw man fallacy and be like, oh, are you saying that you have to believe in God to be good? No, I'm very good. I know atheists are, no, that's a straw man. That's not what we're saying, that you have to believe in a God. But those those intrinsic values, those intrinsic truths come from somewhere. Like Douglas Murray talks about, um, he doesn't personally believe, but it would be a good thing if everyone believed. And it's like, a part of that's just weird. And so got to pray for the guy. But it's a, uh, I, I can see his point. Yes, I, de I definitely, yeah, you could see the point, um, even if you don't have to, you know, agree with it and all, all this different stuff. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, I think this is very true. Um, and so there's so much, the, the, and one thing that, that kind of made me kind of angry and bitter is like, ah, when I was growing up in Catholic school, all we did was getting cotton balls and glues and just glued them onto paper sheet, paper machets and stuff like that. Like we, how come we didn't learn? And again, I understand I do get like, you know, you may be, uh, uh, not the best thing or, or the, the thing to, to get, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, what six year olds and say, okay, now, now six year olds, you international law and, uh, all the Francis Bacon and George Lemaitre is, I understand that in a way, but like, come on, even in middle school, even in confirmation, we're older. I, I didn't really get any of that. I didn't know any of that until later, until I, I took it upon myself to saw Well, again, uh, prompted by the Holy spirit, I believe, and God's grace prompt me to that, you know, lead me toward him, you know, raise me up and all men will follow towards me. Uh, I'll draw all men closer to me. Yes. Uh, so uh, him doing that, God's grace, but me going and looking for it, studying this, looking into it. Uh, but you don't just get that nonchalantly. George Lemetrius, you know, the father of the Big Bang Theory, you know, like a lot of Christians mm. would say, wait a minute, we can't like evolution. The church said, uh, of course, in mm. light of God, in light of mm. God, always through God. But that evolution, you know, if that's true, like, OK, we can believe in that. We're not 6,000 year old that we believe, you know, the earth is just 6,000 yeah. years old. People don't know that. People don't. Know, yeah, they literally don't know that. They don't know. Yeah, it's a uh, it's almost like um, the kids who grow up in Christianity uh, see the media depictions of Christianity and they think it's true, which is a huge catechetical failure. Um, I'm not blaming my parents who have this happen. Boomers, uh, boomers, it's, it's all like, the boomers, it's all the baby boomers, the sexual mm, rest loud. I'll just like it's, it's all of us. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a uh, it, it's we didn't have these huge apostasy rates in the past, and so if you didn't think that was possible. Uh, I'd say you made a mistake, but I'm not. Uh, I, I, I won't hold it against somebody who didn't think that modernity, uh, like what we have right now, is possible. If they just didn't think that was on the horizon, uh, they didn't discern well. But I'm not mad at them because how many times do I discern poorly? Yes. Yeah. Um, Very true. Even but, though Pope was a Pope Paul, even though um, he he warned like when he talked about contraception and he talked about like what it's going to lead to and like, treat women like just bodies and he very prophetic. If you ever just type in you know Pope Paul's uh, uh, sexuality teachings or whatever, like it's, things things will pop up. It, uh, he was very prophetic and there was other uh, prophetic people, but like overall, yeah, you know it, it was too much of I think like a lax and changing things and making things where people kind of like, oh, it's just, just like any other church. And I miss the ancient, uh, I miss that that ancient, the bells, I guess the bells and smells and all that stuff, the Gregorian chants and, you know, all mm. this stuff, people people yearn for something ancient other than just, you know, regular church. Because again, mm. we, I can get regular music from other places. 
I can get mm. other cool uh, talks from a TED Talk or Jordan Peterson, but where is mm. that actual ancient that this is a 2,000-year-old, this is Jesus, this is God, this is in Eucharist uh, for my local church, uh, like teaching like, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th graders, the middle school catechet, uh, catechesis and stuff. So in the CCE mm. class, I heard one, one, of my, one of the students would say, he was like, so, um, so what is it like? So like, like we're, so is it like this? Like we're Christians and like the other people believe in science. And I just like, I just like, was like, Oh, I was like, Oh my goodness. No. And I was like, but it was like towards the end of class. I was like, we got to talk about this. We got to talk about this because he was like, Oh, so the other people just believe in science and we're Christians. So we don't. Right. And I, you don't know how many people, even atheists, grown atheists, mm. 30 year old mm. men would like, I'll talk to them. And they're like, I was like, yeah, science, this, I, I love science. Science is good. And they're like, wait, wait, but you're, you're a Christian. You can't, you, what do you mean? You, you can't believe in science. You got to hate it. I was like, what? Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't be for science. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's, do you know Francis Bacon, all these other people, Pascal, mathematician and philosopher, mm. like all, do you know all these people? Mm. Like, uh, no, it's crazy. So uh, that's another topic, but, um, uh, I think I could go on for another two hours, but we'll wrap up this show. So, um, I just kind of want to wrap it up with, with, with this, um, any last mm. things you wanted to say, uh, anything, either your, your, the faith journey or, or anything mm. surprising, uh, little quick mm. things before we oh. wrap up this. So uh, I, I was never that preoccupied with science versus religion. Um, that's just not um, an angle that uh, ever gave me trouble. But it, it was incredibly interesting to find that uh, as somebody who grew up atheist um, and then encountering other people who describe themselves as non-religious or atheist, um, hearing them talk about science and then they don't know much science. Um, and it's, and, uh, <laughs> it, it's yeah. a, I, I'm not trying to be uncharitable and I don't think I am, but it's uh, that people have, funny ideas about science without having done science are you are you uh, alluding to like when people say believe the science and then you're like oh uh, uh, a man could get mm. pregnant or a man can menstruate mm. or believe oh. the science oh it's not a human because oh. <laughs> that's what i'm well, thinking <laughs> well uh well that's certainly true but uh i i thought this well before the, the insanity of the last let's say five years um it's a uh, if you want to talk about evolution um and then uh, if you drop the term dev, uh, devolution um, or de-evolution. It's like, well, that's not that's not really a thing. Um, it, it, if people talk about, no, no, science disproves God, it, but they don't know. Um, yeah, they, they don't understand that uh, these are not rivalrous claims. They're claims about different things. It's like if I were to say garlic is good and they were to say, no, paprika is good. It's like, yeah. well, look, I mean, these aren't uh, comparable claims. Yeah, God is not uh, in the world, you know, per se. He's, he's outside time and space, and so he's not a, a material. Yeah. You're looking in the wrong thing. You're you're trying to look for uh, a different object, a metal or whatever uh, on the beach. You mm. know, the analogy of the beach, the metal detector. You're using the wrong tool. Mm. Now, science, mm. I believe, definitely points to points to a God as the mm. you know some would say uh, design uh, the what is it the uh, design or, or the intelligent design whether mm. it be the, the you know the moon and our gravity and uh, fa like things like like math math to me that alludes to something because it's not a physically material object but yeah no I would say science mm. definitely points to that definitely points mm. to that but uh, yeah you're using the the wrong tool per se mm. yeah and uh uh, the final thought will be, uh, as an atheist, I disbelieve in the Big Bang Theory because this is just a math argument for God. Um, it's a, uh, if you want to be an atheist and you want to be consistent, you can't believe that, oh, there was a Big Bang that happened. It's like, mm. no, you have to subscribe to some version of the universe always existed. Because, because it didn't exist. Yeah. yeah. 
Because if you uh, do, it was weird because in the beginning when I was not Christian, a lot of atheists would cling to the Big Bang Theory. Like, oh, Big mm. Bang Theory proves there's no God. Big Bang mm. Theory proves no God. And I guess some of the other like slightly smarter ones are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, uh-oh. Wait, wait, we, we can't subscribe to that. So now atheists are like, nah, I don't believe that. But when growing up in the 90s, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I was born mm. in the late 80s. But in the 90s and early 2000s, I remember atheist high school people, they used to always cling to all oh, Big Bang Theory proves there's no God. And now I see a shift now, I guess, thank God mm. to the apologetics that, you know, like Trent Horn and, and mm. uh, uh, what's his name, um, uh, Will, Dr. William Lane Craig. Now atheists are seeing the error of that and like, uh-oh. Uh oh, because if we, because again, it goes, it goes the like the cosmological origin, like whatever begins to exist, not not whatever exists must have a cause. That that's where people get it wrong. It's like, but the, it goes whatever begins to exist, you know, must have a cause. But also, too quick, uh, uh, Aquinas. That's why I like his way too, because on his ways, it's different from the cosmological, which like Dr. William Lane Craig is the most famous one that prescribes to that currently. Uh, it's it shows that the the universe had a beginning, therefore God exists. You know, uh, but um, the Thomas Aquinas actually works whether the Earth or the universe is eternal or not. And I think the mm. Aquinas way is much stronger because it, it it works either way. Even if science would say like, oh, actually we were wrong. The the universe is eternal. Aquinas's way, a version of that argument, still works. So I mm. like I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, the whole thing is a sort of a, uh, uh, it, it's probably true. I, I don't have the math to say that I believe in the Big Bang Theory. And frankly, if somebody doesn't have a physics uh, master's degree, you're not entitled to an opinion. Um, it's uh, too complicated. But uh, but that this was a, a, uh, a tactic that's like, okay, no, actually, here's the math that says God exists. Um, and then atheists are like, oh, the math says God doesn't exist. Uh, so it's, uh, it's always been amusing. Yeah, the gymnastics. Yeah, the gymnastics have been amusing to see. Try to like wiggle out of this one. Like, uh oh, like uh, science. Uh, science shouldn't tell us uh, what to do any more than the telephone should tell us what to say. Is like when philosophy. That's why you need philosophy. You need mm. philosophy, not just pure science. Because like, let's just do what the science says. Well, that that I was mm. like, what? That doesn't make any sense. What do you mean, just mm. do what the science? Says? The science is not like if you if you implement anything, it's philosophy. So it's not just pure science. And then also too, like I, I just. I, I just find it like again. I I think the I think that's the most right now. That's the most prevalent theory. You know, the multiverse, whatever. The, even if there was, that still doesn't work. It just kicks the bucket down. Well, then what created the mm. multiverse? There still has to be. So that doesn't solve it. But I notice mm. a lot of people are trying to trying to. But right now, as the overwhelming majority, it, it, right now the most prevailing theory is the Big Bang theory. And if that's true, that the universe began to exist. You know, well, how they must have a cause, and then so that, mm. it, it, yeah, they try to wiggle out of that one. So, but man, this was a great episode. Um, I, oh, absolutely. I have a feeling uh, I'm gonna have you back on for many, many more because it was like a ten subjects we could have just did a whole show on by itself. Mm. But I, I love talking oh. to you, and it was I actually enjoyed this. Really excellent to nerd out on these things. So, uh, oh, absolutely. I have it's been, been a pleasure. Yeah, thank, thank, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, this is Roger, and that is Chad. Uh, thank you for joining uh, Faith Reason and Geekdom. Uh, please listen to us, share us with your friends, and Godspeed. <laughs>